At this hour, I'd like to share with you one of the most tremendous things by which prisoners are released. You may possibly remember the story in the 16th chapter of the book of Acts where Paul and Silas were in prison in Philippi and their feet were put fast in the stocks. According to students who understand the situation, we understand that those men were very, very miserably located. Their backs were, were just lacerated, lacerated with stripes. And they were placed in such a position that they were in very, a very painful condition. And at midnight, I hear Paul saying to Silas, let's sing together. Now, I don't know what part Silas sang, and I don't know what part Paul sang. I don't know which sang the air, but I know one thing. Both were on the air because the Bible says the prisoners heard them. Now, notice, as those men began to sing and to praise the Lord, something happened. The very walls of that prison began to shake. Every prisoner was loosed. The keeper of the prisoner of the prison came in before these men, fell down before them, and said, What must I do to be saved? And right there he found salvation in Jesus Christ. Every prisoner was loosed, including the keeper of the prison. Now I'd like to share with you the meaning of this, my friends, as far as, as far as marriage is concerned. When you and I begin to praise the Lord in a very special way, something can happen to a marriage. Prisoners of infatuation, those who are infatuated with someone else, they can be loosed. I know it. I've seen it happen again and again and again. The most marvelous way to see that mate of yours who is infatuated, loosed, is by you being a beautiful, joyful, hallelujah Christian. Not merely did the, did the, were the prisoners released, the walls shook. So the walls of marriage are shaken and a unity takes place when we begin to praise the Lord for all we're worth. And not merely that, but friends, we can expect a salvation to take place. What must I do to be saved? The jailer said, Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. God wants our rejoicing not to be the rejoicing of the world, a trivial, foolish rejoicing. He wants us to be rejoicing in the Lord in a peace and a happiness, a patience that only Jesus can give. And now I'd like to share with you, friends, two experiences that we had in our very last uh, series of uh, seminars. The first is of a lady that had come to see us in a previous meeting about a hundred miles away. She'd called me on the telephone and she was sobbing. Pastor, she said, could I see you? I said, well, next Friday I'll be at your city and I'll be holding a series with you next Friday. She said, I can't wait that long. Well, I said, all right, you may come up. It'll be a 200-mile round trip. You may come up and we'll visit. As she came up, she was just in tears. The woman was greatly frustrated, deeply confused. She said, my husband and I, we're not getting along at all. What in the world are we going to do? I said, well, there are three options. You can divorce him or you can merely separate or you can endure this or 
you can find some of the rules of the Bible, how to have a happy home. She said, I don't want to separate. I don't want to be divorced. And I don't want to be living the same life that we've been living. It's killing me. I said, well, we will be coming to your city now in just a few days. How would you like to bring your husband in to see us? So sure enough, even before we began our series, two days before our series began, in she came according to the appointment with her husband. He was a nice-looking man. She was really basically a beautiful woman, except her sorrow, you know, precluded a lovely face. And as they talked together, she was really browbeating him. He wasn't as faithful to her. No, he wasn't running around with other women, but he wasn't paying the attention to her that she deserved. He was not the companion that she wanted. She isn't spending enough time with me, she said. And as she was sharing her bitterness, you know what I was doing? I was claiming a promise for the Holy Spirit, Luke eleven thirteen. I was also claiming a promise for wisdom, James 1, 5. Dear Lord, I, want to, I don't want to belittle either of these people. If a man brought his car into a garage, and I think I uh, told them about this, I said, you know, if a man took his car into a garage, the garageman wouldn't curse out the car, he would repair it. So I said, I'm not going to curse you people or belittle you people or scold you people. I want to share with you one or two outstanding rules of marriage by which you can really be happy. And I said, now, among the rules, and by the way, among the rules that I shared with them is something I want to share with you in two sessions from now under the title, Let's Communicate. And I shared with them those rules, Bible rules of how to communicate. They're not the ones I've shared with you in the last session. They're a, a, another set of rules to go with the first. And so I shared these. And I said, now, how would you like to decide together that between now Wednesday and Friday night, two nights, or perhaps Saturday night, when we'll meet again, that neither of you will pick on each other at all during the daytime. I said to her, you won't pick on him at all. I said to him, you won't pick on her at all. You'll wait until you can sit down together. But between now, for the next three days, neither of you will scold the other for, not, for anything. And they agreed, and we prayed together. They came back. And I said, how are things going? She said, not at all well. Terrible. Awful. Did you pick on him? I didn't hit him. <laughs> you didn't hit him, but did your tongue get loose a little? Yes. I said, I have, a, I have a very special program for you. And I said, this program can make you so delightful that you'll never have to worry again about whether your husband will be your companion. She said, what? That's right. I said, your husband will follow you down the street to find you if you put into effect, into effect what we call a thank you program or a 10-point program. So I shared with her what I have placed on this special outline that's in the hands of those in the studio here at this hour. And this is what it says. First of all, it's based on Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, the last part. It's an equation. It is a biblical equation. Joy plus the Lord equals what? 
strength. Let's say it together. Joy plus the Lord equals strength. That's an equation. It's a biblical equation. And it says if we will rejoice in whom? In the Lord, we'll have what? Strength. What is the strength of the marriage? The joy of the Lord. That is the strength of the marriage. And I said, now this is how you'll do it. There are 826 texts of scripture that tell us to be happy and joyful and praising the Lord all the while. No matter what happens, we're praising the Lord. So I said, in order to drill yourself, because we're under 6,000 years of degeneration, you know, in order to drill yourself so you can get into this new experience, you will first take a sheet of paper and you'll make, maybe you may want to do a little cardboard or a thick sheet of paper about an inch or two inches square. And in very fine writing, you'll write down a column, 10 words. Each word represents one thing for which you're grateful. Like, uh, what did we put here? All right, uh, air, <laughs> air. By the way, how many here in the studio are thankful for air? May I see your hands? Well, oh, that's good. If anyone isn't, just hold your breath five minutes. I see there's one doing it, and she looks happy already to think that she doesn't have to hold her breath all the while. So you'll, you'll put down 10 words. The first is air, and the next is what? Sight. All right, then in a few moments, when you in the studio will do your, uh, your meditation, and even now if you wish to, how would you like to write down another word? Anyone would like to tell us the third word that you are writing down? You can take your pencil and write it, or your pen if you'd like. Uh, what is there something else for which you're thankful? That's very good. Jesus, thank you, very fine. And uh, over here, uh, is there something for which you're grateful? Your wife, I know that because you told me before the session. That's right, all right? And uh, is there something for which you're grateful? Food, oh, so am I. That is, that is beautiful. And uh, what about this happy-looking lady? What might you be grateful for? For the Bible, lovely. Someone else raise your hand and tell us for what you're grateful, one thing. Back here. To be a witness, to be a witness for Jesus. Someone else, that gives us nearly nine, doesn't it, already? And what are you grateful for, brother? Life, Life itself. <laughs> Wonderful. Now, after you've written these, this list of 10 words, I said to her, then you'll take each of these words, the first word, air, and you'll put it into a sentence conforming to this equation. Joy plus the Lord equals strength. So you'll say, thank you, Lord, for air. Let's say it together. Thank you, Lord, for air. That's not difficult, is it? And the next is sight, together. Thank you, Lord, for sight. The next might be food. Thank you, Lord, for food. And I think I told her, at least I tell many people, every time you say thank you, Lord, for, and name something, unbeknown to most people, a chemical change is actually taking place in the human body, believe it or not. A chemical change is taking place. Something is happening to your anatomy. They've done researches on this, and they found that the marrow of the bones is actually dried up under the sadness of the human heart, and the marrow becomes living again under a praise program. 
The joy of the Lord is your strength. How about thanking the Lord for toothbrush? Let's say it. Thank you, Lord, for the toothbrush. <laughs> How about toothpaste? Thank you, Lord, for toothpaste. How about teeth to brush? Thank you, Lord, for teeth to brush. <laughs> and uh, do any of you remember about the lady that stood up and said, I thank the Lord for what? For my gums. And you remember how she said it? Brother Steve, I thank the Lord for my gums. Uh, now, you don't have to say it just the way she did because we have teeth. How many are thankful for our gums? <laughs> what would the teeth do there if there are no gums? Let's say it. Thank you, Lord, for my gums. I said, as you go down through that list of 10 things, thank you, Lord, for this. Thank you for this. A chemical change is taking place in the human system. You do that all day. Every chance you're alone, if you're a stenographer, you know, and writing a letter, you, you have to be careful how you say, thank you, Lord, for my teeth, because uh, then the teeth of the typewriter might jam, you know. So you have to be considerate and have to use it appropriately. But most of all, the very instant that any negative thought comes into your mind, you say, thank you, Lord, for so-and-so. Thank you, Lord, for. This makes a detour from the negatives. They, we prayed together, and they went back home. The next day at about 11 o'clock, she called me by long distance, crying, sobbing, Pastor, do you mean to tell me yesterday that the trouble of my marriage is all my fault? I thought, well, that doesn't sound much like, thank you, Lord, thank you, Lord. I said, no, not at all, not at all. I'm not saying it's mostly your fault, but I'm saying this, you must take yourself in hand. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. And no matter how much is his fault, if you will practice, if you let the Lord drill yourself on this, as a beautiful, uh, my favorite author in that beautiful book, The Minister of Healing, page 253 says, that we should educate our lips and our hearts to speak his praise. This is your assignment. We'll leave it up to your husband for his assignment. We have to start somewhere, and you start with this, and you don't need to worry about your husband. She said, all right. The next night, listen to this, friends, and I'm not exaggerating. The next night, after the meeting was over, this man was standing in the foyer of the church. I said, brother, you look happy. Glad to see you here. They traveled about 50 miles to get there. I said, where's your wife? He said, back in the church. I said, something must have happened. May I see her? I went back in where she was sitting, and I sat down, and that lady's face, Dear, I don't know whether I dare, to, I can't describe it in words. And I don't know whether I dare to mimic her, but her face was this. I thought, what on earth has happened? I said, listen, did you do the 10-point program? She said, <laughs> and I thought to myself, what in the world has happened? Did you really? I said, your, your marriage must be happy now. I never saw so much joy and so few words in my life. The joy of the Lord was her strength. And I turned to him and I said, and there he was smiling. And the, the, the smile was one of these uh, amazement smiles. 
How in the world could this happen? And there he was, looking off into space. And there I would look at her again. I said, really, this is wonderful, isn't it? I said, well, praise the Lord. Keep it up, sister. You have a happy home now, don't you? <laughs> Friends, I want to tell you that when the Lord has given us 826 texts of Scripture telling us to be happy all the while, he means it. When he says the joy of the Lord is the strength of our life, he means it. When he says a merry heart doeth good like a medicine, he means it. And he tells men and women living in the closing days of human history, you know what he says? It's found in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. How many think you know what it says? Just two words. Can you quote it? Rejoice evermore. What? And if you read the context of 1 Thessalonians 5, you'll find he's talking to a people who know the terrible days ahead. You know, there are tens of thousands of people whose hearts are failing them for fear in the days in which we live. And he said, look, you don't need to let your heart fail for fear. You look up, your redemption draws nigh, and you can rejoice, and your heart will be strengthened. Your home will be changed. Your boys and girls will change. Society where you mingle will change. Your church fellowship will change. Your nerves will change. Everything about you will change. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Let's say it together. The joy of the Lord is your strength. How many believe it? May I see your hands? Thank the Lord. Yes, we have a right to believe it. The very day that this lady called me by long distance sobbing and asking me if I thought it was all her fault, another lady came to see me. She had made the appointment the day before. And as she came in for this consultation, I usually say to people as they come for a consultation, I say, now, I'll tell you how we counsel. You don't build up a whole story. You just come and tell us exactly what is your problem. Just identify it. Then I'll ask you a few questions, and then I'll get right into the answer. And I said, could you just identify it? She said, yes. She said, I cannot keep friends. And I cannot keep my job. I'm fired from one job after another. I've lost my home. I now have another job of only a week. And I think that is getting weak. And she said, and that's my problem. I said, I have a solution. I have a solution from the book, the book of all books, the book that emphasizes the strength of your life. And you'll never need to worry again in your life about keeping friends. And I said, now I'm going to share with you. And I shared with her three things before I told her anything about the 10-point program. She'd never heard it. She knew nothing about it. I said, now I'm going to tell you something about this program before I tell you what the program is. I said, number one. Number one, I said, every individual who has ever shared, uh, who has ever put this into practice, every individual who's ever put it into practice has succeeded. I shared with her experience after experience after experience that we'd had with individuals. I shared with her the experience of a lady that was fit to be committed. 
When we went to her home, her eyelids were drooping. In eight days, she was completely healed. I said, the program we're going to share. There was another lady. She was a doctor's wife. She had the deepest revulsion for her husband. In 48 hours, she was cured. I shared one experience right after another, one after another, and I said, now, this says the program that I'm going to share with you. I said, I know you wonder what it is, but first, I want you to know that's a very simple program. And it's so simple that you're liable to overlook it unless you realize that it is efficient. It is successful. Number two, it is so important, I said, that the book of God says in 826 verses, scriptures, that we should do it, either in the form of a command or example. I said, you know, when the Lord emphasizes a thing by repeating it twice, he's emphasizing it. When he repeats it 826 times, he means business. So I said, and the third is this. What I'm going to share with you is probably the most neglected of any Bible doctrine in my church family around the world. So it's extremely successful. It's so important that God has emphasized it 826 times, and yet it's being neglected. So don't worry about a lot of people that say it's too simple. Remember that God says it's important. And remember that I'm telling you I've never seen one person yet, no matter what his mental condition is, no matter what his social condition is, no matter what his family condition is, but who succeeded. I said, would you like to take notes? So I shared with her what I've just shared with you, and I shared with the uh, uh, Miss Giggle. <laughs> I call her the, the one first presented. I call her the greatest giggler of town. <laughs> and this lady began to take notes. And I, as I shared with her, Nehemiah 8.10, and I sh shared with her how to do 10 things put down 10 words the first day, the next day 10 more, till the 10th day she'd have 100. She put down 10 words. She wrote them down. I said, now put these, each of these 10 words into a sentence. Thank you, Lord, for air. And we said it together. Thank you, Lord, for food. Let's say it together. Thank you, Lord, for food, air. Thank you, Lord, for air. We went right down the list. I said, now, here is the third step that's very important. Make each of these words now into a sandwich. She, she laughed. She said, a sandwich? I said, a sandwich is composed of two slices that are alike and a filling that's different. The two slices are, thank you, Lord, for, thank you, Lord, for. The filling is, what if I didn't have that? She said, that's tremendous. That lady immediately put it into practice. Two days later, she stood up in our seminar and gave her testimony and that she said, nothing has ever happened to me like this has. What do you say to that, friends? Let's put it into practice. Shall we do it? Well, I can see that you folks have really been having a sweet fellowship in this share time. And now we've come to the next phase and the closing phase of this special hour together, and that is questions. Any questions that you might have regarding the topic of this hour? Be free to uh, write them out and hand them to our teammate, and she will hand them to, to our brother, and he will read them, and we will deal with those questions. Don't hesitate a moment. If you need a slip of paper, raise your hand. After you've written it out, raise it again, and, and our, 
Our friend will pick it up. Thank you. The first question. Yes, this was passed in during the meditation time. Uh, this questioner wants to know, does everyone who begins the thank you program find wonderful answers like uh, those whom you spoke about, or, or are there exceptions to the rule? That is a good question, and you might be amazed. In the 15 or 20 years that we've been sharing this, I don't know of a single exception to the rule. If it is done, now for instance, we were in a certain church where a pastor's wife invited us to dinner, and as we were eating, she told us of uh, a nerve condition that she'd had for some 30 years. I shared with her this 10-point program, and uh, after about three or four days, she said to her husband, it hasn't helped me a bit. He said, did you do what Pastor Kuhn suggested? She said, well, yes, I decided I was going to be more positive. <laughs> he said, that isn't what he suggested at all. He said, you must write it. Write it and then say it as you hold it. And this conforms to Psalm 103, verses 1 to 3. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, which means we must employ the sense of, of speech, the sense of touch, the sense of hearing, the sense of sight. So then he, she said, oh, oh, I thought I was just supposed to be more positive. He said, not at all. It is a real practice. You write 10 words on a little sheet of paper. In fact, a slip of paper about an inch square, two inches square, so you can carry it right in the palm of your hand. You write those 10 words in a column. Then you'll still hold that in your hand. That's a sense of touch. You look at those words. That's a sense of sight. You say, thank you, Lord, for air, for instance. As you say it, you hear yourself say it. He said, that's what the pastor said. Oh, she said, okay. She started doing it, friends, and in three days, that lady was a completely different woman. I have never yet seen, under any situation, I've never seen one case where it's failed if they'll put it into practice with every sense of our being, you see. The next question is, should we praise the Lord in all things? What about like an auto accident? How about praising the Lord for an auto accident? Romans 8, 28. All things, what? Work together for good to them that love the Lord. Uh, by the way, here, here's something else. Should we praise the Lord for, for a mate that's suing for divorce? A man came to a minister and he said, Pastor, my wife is divorcing me. The pastor said, well, praise the Lord. And as the man began to praise the Lord, his wife came back to him. So, so the thing that seems to us so cruel, so bad, so evil, the Lord uses to teach us lessons. Here's the text. It's James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh, what? Patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect, entire, wanting nothing. You have another. 
Yes, this apparently is pretty urgent because it, it, it's from a lady somewhere near to you over on that side that was waving this question, though, so this must be pretty urgent. All right. Are there any special group of words for a special need or a promise for a, a weight problem? For a what? For a weight problem. A weight problem. Oh, yes. Yes, indeed. Let me share it with you. You'll like it. Uh, several years ago, we are holding a series of meetings in a certain school, and I was sharing with the students the ABCs of prayer. A is what? Ask. B is what? C is what? Claim it by thanking the Lord we've received what he promised. One day I was walking along the road leading to the school, and I met a lady, and she said, Pastor Kuhn, I have found a promise for obesity. For the little children, obesity means uh, a little overweight. And she said, and it works too. This lady's little girl, I think a nine-year-old girl, had been crushed between an automobile and a truck. And the mother, of course, went into deep frustration and began to eat and gain weight and gain weight and eat and eat and gain weight and gain weight and eat, you know. She said, it works too. I said, what promise did you claim? And you know, my friends, I was amazed at the promise she claimed. It shows how the Holy Spirit can bring out of a promise things you and I had never dreamed of. Here it is, Psalm 22, 26, and it says this, the meek shall eat and be satisfied. I said, is that what you claim? She said, yes. Well, praise the Lord. The next place we went to, a little lady came to me that was really obese. She was about four foot tall and three feet wide. <laughs> and she said, Pastor, is there a promise that I can lose weight? I said, yes. Psalm 22, 26. But I said, there's something else that goes with it. There's a condition. And I had just attended a five-day no-smoking plan. And in that, in that uh, special program, the medical doctor had said that when a person stops smoking, he's liable to gain weight. He said, I'll tell you how you don't need to gain weight. Eat nothing after your noon meal and you can lose one pound a week. So I said, claim this promise of Psalm 22 26. Eat nothing after noon meal and you can lose how much? One pound a week. The lady came back five days later and she was almost on cloud nine. She said, Pastor, I did what you told me to do. And how much should she have lost? She should have lost five-sevenths of a pound. She had lost 15 pounds. Isn't the Lord good? Another lady came, great big tall lady. She said, I've gone all over the country trying to lose weight. Can you tell me what to do? I said, yes, Psalm 22, 26, and don't eat anything afternoon meal. She said, I teach school. I eat my big meal at night. I said, eat your big meal in the morning, take your lunch at noon, don't eat at night. She said, if I don't eat at night, I can't sleep. Claim a promise from the Lord to sleep. She came back uh, three days later or so. She said, do you know, I did exactly what you told me to do. She said, I slept just like a log. You know how a log sleeps? It doesn't move a limb. <laughs> it doesn't move a bored foot. I slept like a log, and she said, I'm losing a pound a day. Not a pound a week, a pound a day. Try it out. God's promises never fail. Next question. 
Yes, Pastor. The, the next questioner is the, the nice-looking lady over there on your right-hand side in the orange. And uh, she'd like to ask you this question kind of impersonal, if that's okay. Would you go over by her so she, we can I'll pick her up by on your her, mic? Yes. Uh, in the orange. In the, oh, in the orange. Is this yeah. orange? Thank you. All right. She's going to ask me a very personal question. But you're going to say it out loud, are you? Well, it's not that personal. Oh, I see. All right. Impersonal, then. Um, I shared... Uh, your ten points with a very good friend of mine who her and her husband were separating and I they aren't Christians and didn't want anything to do with it on a Christian level and I didn't explain to her thank you Lord for such and such just to pick out something very good and she called me the next day and said that it was working fine <laughs> so far but now can something like that continue with a, a non-Christian when really? That's a think... good question. Very, very good. A good question. Uh, are there any here in the studio that did not hear what she said? All right. Uh, she said she was sharing this with a home that was ready to break. And the fact they weren't Christians, she just told the person about, thank you, being thankful. I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for this. Now, since they weren't Christians, could this continue? The answer is yes. Do you know the law of gravity operates for an infidel? Right? You take two men upon a roof. One is an infidel and one is a Christian. And the Christian says, I'm a Christian. I can fall off this roof. Nothing will happen. And the infidel says, be careful. You might break your back. I'm not going to do that. And the Christian falls off and breaks his neck or his arm, and the infidel observes the law of God in that respect, and he doesn't break anything. Any man of the world who is thankful can get results. Isn't Jesus wonderful? He can get results. Now, little by little, as they find that this good lady has been a contribution to their lives, uh, they, they will later probably say, where in the world did you learn this? See? Then she can say, well, I got it in the Bible. I found that Christianity isn't what a lot of people think it is. A lot of people think that the more sober a person looks, the better Christian he is, you know. And if he can look like a thoroughbred corpse, he must be very good. <laughs> See? But no, I'm learning about a different kind of religion. It's all in the Bible. It's a happy religion. And the lady is liable to say to this fine lady, tell me about it. Thank you. Next one. Uh, Pastor Kuhn, this uh, questioner would like to know how long have you used the Bible you have with you tonight? You know it so well, and uh, thanks a lot for being here tonight. I've been helped. Well, praise the Lord. Uh, I wear a Bible out about uh, every two years. <laughs> but uh, the texts, I have a very, very poor memory. And most people don't believe it. But you know, I can't even, I can't even remember why I leave my socks. I can't remember where I leave my watch. That'll give you help and hope. If you try to memorize a Bible verse, remember that to begin with, it'll be almost impossible. It still is with me. But as I get back into it, first thing you know, you've memorized it. Just keep thinking it through, thinking it through, thinking it through, seeing it back. You know, as you wait for a dental appointment, you wait for a bus, wherever you're waiting, you can pick up the Bible and, and, and learn one of these texts. And it is the life of Jesus in written form. Is there one more? Yes. 
this 10-point program is beautiful, and I plan to put it to work in my life, but is there a specific promise I might claim for sleep? Yes. Yes, the Bible says he shall lie down and his sleep will be sweet. <laughs> uh, you might be interested to know that we have a little red book called God's Promises Solve My Problems. You could look in the index under sleep, and it'll tell you which page to turn to, and then you'll find it in the Bible. About how much time do we have left before we close our question, brother, and answers? All right. And it says this, Pastor Kuhn, I believe that the gospel is serious business. There are souls' lives that are stake. It seems to me that if we go around giddily happy all the time, people are going to get the wrong impression of the days in which we live. What do you think about that? I think you're 100% right. Don't go around giddily happy. Go around happy in the Lord. You see the difference? The joy of the Lord is your strength. Not just being giddy. Being giddy isn't our strength, you see. Uh, to be uh, trivial, that's not our strength. It's the joy that Jesus Christ gives that gives us strength. And you see, as we, as we thank the Lord for his promises, there's great strength. Jesus said, ask and you'll receive and your joy will be what? Will be full. Always unite our joy with Jesus. Now, it doesn't mean we all will while have to be talking about Jesus. We could talk, actually turn people off by all the while talking about Jesus. But let us represent him in kindness. Let us represent him in a sweet face. I sometimes, I'll tell you this story. I sometimes go in a place of business. On the other side of the counter, there may be a, the secretary. And as I walk in, I'll say, good morning to you. She said, what? What? Why, it's wonderful to see a happy person. And the, all I've done is just said, good morning to you. And I don't usually look at her. If I do, she thinks I'm trying to vamp her, you know. And who wants an old man to vamp a young lady, you know? So I don't look at her as though I was trying to be clever. I just walk in casually, good morning to you. And you'll find 90 out of 100 will be happy and thankful to meet someone who's happy. They said, there are not many people happy these days, you know. I want a religion that's, that's stronger than the seven last plagues, don't you? <laughs> How about that? One that doesn't go into orbit around pestilence until we become a pest, you know. One that doesn't go into orbit about uh, the time of trouble till we become troublemakers. Now, it's good to understand all these things. They're all Bible doctrines, but God never intended that his children would go into orbit around the sad things of life. He said when these things, the troubles, begin to come to pass, then do what? Lift up your eyes, for your redemption draweth nigh. The Lord wants his people to be a happy people. He wants us to be happy in the home. He wants to be happy with the children. He wants to, us to be happy on his holy day, so we can even sing on the holy day. Sabbath is a happy day. Sing it with me. Sabbath is a happy day, happy day, happy day. Sabbath is a happy day. I love every Sabbath. Do you have another question? Yes. This questioner says there's a text that says uh, a, a believer can handle snakes and, and not even get hurt. Does that have anything to do with the joy program, do you think? <laughs> That's a good question, isn't it? Uh, the text they're evidently <laughs> quoting is Mark chapter 16, 
verse 18. It says, they shall speak with new tongues. If they pick up uh, serpents, they shall not suffer. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Uh, what Jesus is talking about there is not a person deliberately picking up a serpent. But he's talking about individuals in those days that, like Paul, when you remember they had a fire and a serpent came out and bit him. The devil impressed that serpent to bite him. And Paul just shook off the serpent. And the people thought that he was a god. Uh, like people drinking any deadly thing. People in those days resorted a great deal to poisoning people. And when we're carrying on God's word, what Jesus is saying is, we are immortal till our work is done. With that in mind, we can say, thank you, Lord. No weapon that's formed against us will prosper. Isaiah 54, 17. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.